um, that's what I want to share about tonight. I want to continue on with what I shared a few weeks ago. I won't ask you what that was because I know you probably can't remember. And, uh, but I want to share again about the God, our God, the God of great expenditure. Anyone remember that? The God of great expenditure, the prodigal God, the God who is recklessly and extravagantly generous. Who knows our God is recklessly and extravagantly generous with us. Like the prodigal, the prodigal son's father, he was a, the prodigal God who recklessly and extravagantly restored his son back into sonship. It's an amazing story. And we talked about the generosity of God and how we see it through his creation. And we see it through, through his redemption plan. And we also see it in his invitation to us to pray. That God is a generous God. That he is lavishly and extravagantly generous with us. But today, I want to dig a little bit deeper. Does that sound good? I want to go a bit deeper and I want us to look at this uh, in, a, in a bit greater detail. Because I believe there is something we can learn from God's generosity that can change our lives. That can transform the way we live if we apply it to our lives. But to do that, the first thing I want to do is have a deeper look at what generosity really is all about. Because um, a lot of us have an idea about generosity, but do we really understand what it's all about? And so tonight I want to share with you three factors of generosity or three things that generosity is all about. The first thing it says up on the screen, generosity and giving are inseparable. Sounds amazing, doesn't it? I can see you all just going, whoa, that's so deep. So deep. But the fact is, the reality is that if we're going to be generous, we have to give. Isn't that right? You go, yeah, thanks, Captain Obvious. That's really good. Of course, if you're generous, you give. But the reality is, and the, the thing I want to challenge you with is, do we really believe that when it comes to God being generous with us? If our God is extravagantly and lavishly and recklessly generous... Do we understand that that means he wants to give to you and me? That he wants to pour out, as Dan said, he wants to pour out his spirit on you. He wants to breathe life into you. He wants to give you new life. Do we really believe that? Do we really understand what that means? Because I think our challenge is to actually grab a hold of that and apply it to our lives. You see, I, I, have, I find it easy, and I'll talk from my own perspective, but I'm sure there are plenty of people here that you find this easy as well, is I find it easy to think about God being a God who wants to sort me out. Anyone relate to that? Who wants to, who wants to fix all the bad stuff in me and wants to cut off all the bad bits and chip away at all the things that I'm doing wrong and get them out of the way. And that he likes to focus on our negatives, but I... There's an essence where we focus on God as the taker, isn't that right? That he wants to take this away and take that away to make us better. But there's a sense that God, if God is a generous God, now that, that means that he is, he is not just about doing generosity, but he is generous. It's who he is. If God is a generous God, that means he wants to give to us. That God is a giver not a taker. 
that God wants to bless, not curse. That God wants to build us up, not tear us down. The Bible talks about this heaps. Over and over again, it talks about God giving to us. Psalm 29.11 says, The Lord gives his people what? Who needs strength? Amen. Psalm 84.11 says, For the Lord God is our sun and shield. He gives us grace and glory. Psalm 85.12, The Lord will indeed give what is what? To say he gives what is bad? No, the Lord will indeed give what is good and our land will yield its harvest. Romans 15.5, May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. God wants to give you patience. Who needs patience? Who needs encouragement? Guess what? God wants to give it to you. 1 Timothy 6.13, in the sight of God, who gives life to everything. God gives life to everything. As Dan said in communion, he breathed life, his breath into dust, and what did he create? You and I. And as he did that, his life, he gives everything we have is given by him. 1 Corinthians 15.57 says, But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. How good is that? This is our God, the giver. 1 John 1, 1.9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will what? Forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God forgives us. James 1.5, I said this the other week. If you need wisdom, anyone in the house need wisdom? Yes. Ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Ephesians 2, 8 and 10, a foundational scripture of the gospel. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from ourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works that no one can boast. Our very salvation is a free gift from God. A gift of His grace. We are saved, not of ourselves. We can't do it. We can't do it in our own strength or our own works. It's a gift of grace from God. And this is the last one I want to share. 1 Corinthians 4.7. It says so powerfully, What makes you better than anyone else? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if, you, if all you have is from God, why boast as though you have accomplished something on your own? What do you have that God hasn't given you? Church, we have to come to that place where we understand everything we have is a gift from God. Our God is a giver. Our God is generous and He wants to give to you. He wants to bless you. He wants to pour out His love and His anointing on you. He wants to give everything you need to you. And this is really important because it brings us to our next point. Because if God, generosity and giving is inseparable, then generosity and love are definitely inseparable. 
Because the reason God wants to give to us, the reason God wants to bless us, the reason God wants to be generous to us is because God loves us. You can't be generous and not love. John 3.16, the verse that we all know, know says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave the most generous gift of all, his son. See, when you love something or someone, it's a natural expression that because of that love, you would want to give to that person. You would want to show them how much you love them by what you're prepared to give to them. Isn't that right? Anyone been in love here? Anyone want to be in love here? Yeah, a couple of people. The fact is, when we love someone, we want to show them how much we love them. And usually we spend too much money doing it. Isn't that right, husbands? Yes. I remember um, many years ago, it's actually would be about 29 years ago now, I was a young strapping young man and I was in love with this beautiful young woman and uh, she's not here tonight so I can say whatever I want so but uh, but the fact is <clears throat> we had just started dating and it was pretty awesome we were dating and it was you know you, you're on cloud nine floating on the air you don't know what's going on. You, all you can think about is the person you love. And Julie used to love going antique shopping. It's funny, she doesn't do it much anymore. But um, she used to love doing it. And so me, as a good boyfriend, thought, oh, let's go antique shopping together. And we'd, we'd walk down McGill Road back and forth on a Sunday afternoon, walk, looking at antique shops, just lovely. Was, I didn't care as long as I was with her. That's all that mattered. And um, I remember one day we were in this antique shop and she liked looking at all the old furniture. She loved old furniture. And so we saw this old chest, this old box, this old wooden chest. And it was very special because it was made of hewn pine and the planks were really wide. So it was really old. And the top of it was made of camphor wood. Now camphor wood smells really nice. And they made it like that so it would make your linen smell really good. And so she saw it and said, oh, this is so beautiful. It's so lovely. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's a great box. And, uh, and she, she said, I wonder how much it costs. And she turned over the tag and it said $350. Now, you might think, oh, that's not that much. But we're talking about 29 years ago. We, we, we're married 27 years this coming Friday. Sorry, Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. So we'll celebrate Friday. Um, and so um, 350 bucks was a lot of money back then, a lot of money. And uh, so she, we can't afford, she said, I can't afford it. So, yep. But I had it in my mind. She loved it so much. I want to show her how much I love her by getting her this box because her birthday was coming up. And so I, I, I went back later and I, 
I bought it for her and um, lucky for her, I was still working as a podiatrist then. Next year I started Bible college so it wouldn't have been possible. But, um, <laughs> but uh, we, I went and bought it, put it in the back of my HQ stage, station wagon, brought it home and I was so proud of it. I'm, like, I'm going to buy I bought this for Julie. I'm going to give it to her on her birthday. She's going to love it. And I, so I thought, you know, me being v- really proud, I said, Mum, come and have a look at this. And so Nonna comes and has a look and she goes, what's that? I said, it's, it's a chest. It's a wooden chest, antique. She goes, what is this thing? What's, what's so special about a box? And this old box, what do you want to... She goes, how much do you pay for this box? And I said, $350, mum. What? You, you're stupid. But isn't that what it's like, though? When you want to show someone how much you love them, other people think, you're stupid. You're ridiculous. That's crazy. But you want to show them how much you love them. That's what God's generous love is like, that it's ridiculous. I read this, this quote. It says, love in its purest expression is not something that is received, but it is something that is given. God is love not because he is most loved, but because he first loved us. This is our amazing God. John 15, Jesus said this, My command is this, love each other As I have loved you, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And this famous old quote says, You can give without loving, but you can never love without giving. You see, we need to understand that we are blessed because we are the object of our extravagantly, lavishly generous God's love. That's why we're blessed. He gives generously to us because he loves us. You know, God is not motivated by pity for us. He doesn't feel sorry for us. He doesn't go and think, oh, poor old Damo, look at him. Oh, he's such a loser. I'm just going to go down and help him out. I just feel so sad for him. No, he loves us. The truth is he is motivated by his love for us. And this is the amazing, amazing thing. He loves us for who we are. He loves us for who we are. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were all sinners, we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the type of love. That's the generous love our God has, that he chose us even when we were wrecks, when we were distorted, when we were lost and shameful. He, we were the objects of his love. Which brings us to our last point about generosity, is generosity and sacrifice are also inseparable. You see, it will always cost you something to be generous. Just like it cost me 350 bucks for an old box that, by the way, is now wrecked because, because we had three kids and they wrecked the box. So there's a moral to that story, but I won't preach that today. 
Hey, Joyce, how'd you know that? Joyce. Gee. I thought that was our secret, Joyce. But the fact is, the fact is, we know it costs God something because of that scripture we just read. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His death was the generous gift of salvation for us. You see, the full extent of his generous sacrifice that Jesus made is seen in Philippians 2, verse 5 to 8. And I want to read it for you because when we read this, we see how amazing his generosity was and the sacrifice that he made. It says, You must have the same attitude as Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think, it, think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. This is the amazing generosity of our God. In that while he was God, he chose to give up his divine privileges. As you read it in that passage, he gave up his divine privileges. He did it to rescue us. I don't know if we can understand that or we can grasp it, but I want to look at that and labor that a little bit more. Because do we understand what that really meant? Jesus is God. And as God, he was in heaven and he had all power, all authority. He created all of this by the word. Jesus, he created it all. Everything around us, the trees, the oceans, the, the fish, the animals, everything around us, the amazing creation is God's gift to us. It's, it's his. He was able to do that. But in this passage, it says that he gave up all his divine privileges. Think about that. He gave it all up. Why? Because he loved us. And because he knew it would take a sacrifice to rescue us from where we were at. You see, when he became a human like you and I, he experienced, the Bible says, everything we experience. He knows what it's like to feel pain. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to feel anxiety. He experienced trauma and abuse. Jesus knows because he became one of us. He knows what it's like to be alone. But he sacrificed all that heaven had and became one of us. Not just to help us, but to restore us, as Dan said, to restore us back to what God created us to be. Children of the Most High God. This is what God, Jesus gave up. He says it like this in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. He says, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, he was God. He had everything. 
all the power at his fingertips. He did, there was nothing he could not do. Though he was rich, yet for whose sakes? Your sakes. He became poor. He left heaven and came to earth and became one of us. So that by his poverty, he could make you rich. Think about that. That's what makes God's generosity so crazy. How crazy is that? As Nonna would say, that's ridiculous. It's just mad. It's just crazy. He didn't just hand over some of his riches and think, oh, look, I've got a spare thousand cattle on a, on a thousand hills, so I might just use them up to save mankind. No, he said, I need to go and become one of them and save mankind. I need to give up heaven to save mankind. That is the generous God we serve. As I was preparing, I was trying to think of how do, I, how do we relate that to our world today? And there's a guy in our world called Bill Gates. Anyone know Bill Gates personally or know of him? I'm sure you've probably heard of him. He runs a thing called Microsoft, one of the richest, wealthiest men in the world. And Bill Gates is, seems like a good guy because a few years ago he decided that he was going to use his wealth to eradicate malaria from the world. And apparently he's doing a pretty good job. Within the next 10, 20 years, they reckon malaria won't be a disease to worry about any longer. How cool is that? And he gave up some of his wealth to do that. That's pretty good. He needs to be applauded for that. That's excellent. But the fact is, I looked up Bill Gates, and he is still one of the wealthiest men in the world. He still lives in a really nice house. I'm sure he probably drives many nice cars and uh, all of those things and, and, and is not struggling to put food on the table. He gave up some of his wealth to help out. But our, the Word of God, the Bible says, Jesus gave up all his riches. He didn't just give up a bit. Imagine if Bill Gates had said, I'm giving it all up, giving it away to the poor. Crazy. We'd go, you're crazy. But that's what Jesus did. He gave it all up. And why did he give up all his riches? And then even his very own life? He did it so that we could inherit the riches of God through his death and resurrection. So that we could inherit everything God has for us. That we could inherit victory. That we could inherit freedom. That we could inherit peace. That we could inherit salvation. That we could inherit wholeness of body and mind and spirit. We could inherit everything the kingdom of God has. It says in Romans 8.17 that we are heirs of God. What does that mean? We inherit all of God's goodness. That we are co-heirs with Christ. That we are children of God who get to have all that God has for us. This is the amazing sacrifice that Jesus made when he came to earth and died on a cross. He became poor so that we could be rich. There's a really interesting story in Luke 21. Jesus is um, sitting in the temple and he's looking out and watching people give in the offering. And I, I wonder if 
because the amazing thing about Jesus is that when he became a human, he no longer had his divine privileges. He gave them up. So everything he did was in faith, by faith in God, the Father. So when he healed people, he didn't do it because he could wave a magic wand. He had to believe that God would heal those people. So he had to practice the same sort of faith that we have to practice. And so he's sitting there, and I wonder if he saw this picture and he thought, and in his mind he had that revelation that this is what I am going to have to do. But it says there, he looked up, Jesus, this is, and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all these out of their abundance have put in the offerings for God. But she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. Jesus gave all that he had. As a poor man on earth, Jewish man, he gave everything he had for us. This is where it gets exciting. Because when we see Jesus' example, we begin to understand and we can begin to apply how God's generosity can affect our everyday lives. You see, in the person of Jesus, we see the extravagantly, lavishly generous God expressed in, in a human being. We see God as human. And in Jesus, we see the amazing generosity of God expressed in our flesh and blood. And this is the great thing, is that when Jesus gave his sacrifice, his generous sacrifice, what he was doing was he was creating a pathway for us to come back into the family of God. It's really important for us to understand that Jesus did not come to start a new religion. Amen? Isn't that good? Got enough religions as it is? He didn't come to start a new religion. What he came to do was bring heaven to earth. What he came to do was establish God's family here on earth. He came to establish God's kingdom here on earth. He came to bring brothers and sisters, it says in Hebrews 2, back to the Father. That's what he came to do. And us as Christians, as members of God's family, it simply means that we are called to express that same type of generosity. That's what we exist for. That's what we're about. We, we need to be just like God. We need to practice generosity that gives. We need to practice generosity that loves. We need to practice generosity that sacrifices for those around us. To put it simply, if God is generous, then so we are generous. Amen? Our church's vision statement says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. How did Jesus live his life? Generously. Sacrificially. Lovingly. He gave and gave and gave. As an example for us, we need to understand to live like Jesus lived requires us to live recklessly and extravagantly generously. That's what it requires of us. It, that means the kingdom of God is all about others. 
then that means our purpose is all about others or helping others or in the best interest of others. If I wanted to sum it up simply, I would say that our purpose is sacrificial giving driven by love. That's what we exist for. That's what God's all about. If you read the Gospels again and again, you read the Bible, you can continually see this narrative expressed. Someone sacrificing their life for others because of their great love. That's the purpose that we stand for. It's this kind of generosity, as crazy as it might seem and as as much as it seems to oppose everything the world talks to us about, But who knows, the fact is that our world is full of greed. Our world is full of violence. Our world is full of selfishness. But the answer to that is not trying to combat that. The answer to that is that we would love generously. That we would practice extravagant generosity. That we would get out of our comfort zones and love like Jesus loved. Live like Jesus lived. You see, when we learn to live generously, that's when we are actually being godly. A lot of us talk about godliness and we think godliness is all about not doing this and not doing that and not sinning here and not sinning there. But that's not godliness. Godliness is about seeing a need and doing whatever you can to help that need. To getting in that place. That's what God did. God God saw that we were broken and damaged and and hurting and lost. And he said, I need to do something about it. So I lay down my divine privileges and I become human and I die on a cross for them. I'll do whatever it takes to help them. Amen? This is what God's called us to. This is how God's called us to live our lives. It's all about giving of yourself to help others. And this is the great thing. The Bible promises that if we live like this, we will experience great contentment. Proverbs eleven twenty four to 25 says, One man gives freely, yet gains even more. How cool is that? Sounds pretty good. That's a good promise. Another withholds unduly, but what? But comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. How different is that to what the world says? Do what you can for yourself. Grab whatever you can for yourself. It's about you, 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 me, me, me. But God says, no, look at blessing others, pouring your life out for others, loving others, sacrificially laying your life down for others. And you know what you will experience from it? You will be blessed yourself. You will be refreshed yourself. You will be strengthened yourself. Now, often when we talk about this, the first thing we think about is, oh, we, if I'm going to be generous, then I need to give money, which is not a bad thing, but this is more than finances, people. It's more than just finances. You see, we can give so much of our lives to people. You see, when God asks us to be extravagantly generous, what he's asking us is to be extravagantly generous with things like our time. To give people the time of day is a good option. Isn't that right? We live in a time-poor world. And so if you would spend time with someone and sit down with them and get to know them, that's a generous gift. 
Let's break it down to simple. That's generosity expressing itself. When we would just give people time. Another simple way we can give, if we're going to give people time, that we actually stop and listen to what they've got to say. Find out about who they are and where they've been and what their story is and what their life's about. Actually listen to them. That's generosity. Who knows that that's a sacrifice for some of us. It's hard work sometimes to zip your mouth and not try to give advice, but just actually listen. It's wives, stop nudging your husbands. But the reality is that is a sacrifice. And if we can learn to give of that generously, every Wednesday night when we have pop-up here, we have an opportunity to listen to people, to get to know people, to actually build relationships. But it requires us to be generous with our time and our listening. Not being busy doing this and that and everything else, but actually stopping and saying, hey, how are you going? What's going on in your life today? And actually wanting to hear what they, they got to say. That'd be good, wouldn't it? That would be amazing. But that's the type of generosity that God has called us to. I could go on and on. I will go on and on. I'll name one more. Another area we can be generous and an area that God has been amazingly generous with us, crazy generous with us, is in the area of forgiveness. <coughs> forgiveness. There's a tough one. But the fact is God generously forgives us. That means we're called to generously forgive each other as well. Can you think about that for a moment? Why does God get so mad when we don't forgive? And says things like in the Bible, if you can't forgive your brother, I can't forgive you. Because God laid it all on the line for us. He gave up everything for us so that he could forgive us. So how, what a slap in the face it would be to him that we don't forgive those around us. I know it's tough because people have done horrible things. But God calls us to live generous lives. That means we have to be generous even in the things we find hard to be generous in. One of those is forgiveness. That's the truth. It's not easy. I understand it's not easy to forgive. But I know that if we learn to be generous in forgiveness, God will bless it. God will use it. I've experienced it in my own life where it's turned around situations and opened doors like never before. All because I was willing to forgive someone for something they had done to me. We need to be generous in our forgiveness. But ultimately, whatever we give generously, it must be driven by love and it requires sacrifice <coughs> on our part. And that means simply doing whatever it takes for the benefit of another. I want to close with this story in, in John 13. And this is just before Jesus is about to implement the, the Last Supper and before he goes to the cross. And he does this really amazing thing that is a great example for us about generosity. But it says, it says that first line says, When he had finished 
washing their feet. I'll just stop there. Listen to that for a moment. Jesus had just gone through the process of washing all his disciples' feet, including Judas, who he knew had betrayed him. He washed all their feet. It actually says earlier in the chapter, he wanted to show them the extent of his love for them. And so he washed their feet. Now, the washing of someone's feet in Jewish culture was left to a servant or a younger child to do because it was not a nice thing to do. But Jesus wanted to show his disciples how much he loved them. And so he lined them up as they came into the room, took off his garments, wrapped a towel around his waist and washed all their feet. And he goes on to say, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And he says these powerful words, do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. This next part is amazing. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus basically says that if you want to live a blessed life, you need to follow my example. You need to, and I'll say this, not practically wash each other's feet, but metaphorically, symbolically, we need to wash each other's feet. I don't know about you, but that doesn't excite me. Because that means I need to do stuff that is not about me, but is for the benefit of others. What Jesus is basically saying is that a blessed life is found when, by living generously, which means giving of ourselves, showing love, and being willing to sacrifice for God and for others. That's what God has called us to to generously give of ourselves for others. If Jesus was able to wash his disciples' feet, then we should be able to wash each other's feet. We should be living that sort of generous lives, church. And I put my hand up first, but that's what we're called to do as a church. That's how we transfer God's amazing generosity into our everyday lives by honouring him by living out that same type of amazing generosity. Amen. Let's pray. I'm going to pray in just a moment that God would help us follow his example and be generous like him. But I'd also ask you to reflect upon the message and think about areas that God would challenge you in. Maybe God has even dropped things on your heart that you need to change and be generous in. Pray and ask God to help you do what 
those things are that you're thinking about right now. Maybe it is forgiving someone. Maybe it is reaching out to someone and listening to someone who you find hard to listen to. Maybe it is in some way washing someone else's feet. Ask God to help you with that. Lord God, I pray for every person here, including myself. God, we've come to understand how crazy your generosity is. That it's, it's not just a, a little thing, it's a huge thing. And it's shown so powerfully by the fact that you gave up your divine privileges to become one of us so that you might save us and restore us back to who we should be. God, if anything we can learn from that is gratefulness and thankfulness, but we can even honour it even greater is to live it out ourselves. We can't do that in our own strength, so God, we know that. We know we struggle and we, we find that hard. But we know that you want to give us grace, that you want to give us the strength to do it, that you are the giving God who gives all these things. And tonight, God, we come to you and we pray that you would give us the ability to be generous like you are generous, that we, you would give us the ability to show lavish, extravagant generosity to our friends and our family, to our neighbours, to our community, to the world we live in. And may it be an example to them of who you are and how amazing you are. That's our prayer, oh God. Help us to live it out in Jesus' name.